Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco here on Systematically Wild. And, and Kevin, uh, after a very disappointing week for the Minnesota Wild a couple weeks ago, they rebound a little bit and have a nice week, including a, a, a big road victory and a shutout victory that uh, I believe that you and I talked briefly about last week. But uh, right of the ship a little bit this week. Yes, you know, taking um, uh, three out of four games, um, especially taking two out of three on the road over the weekend against the two teams that were in the Eastern Conference Finals last season, it was a uh, it was a good bounce back for Minnesota, especially after a Thursday night game uh, against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning that went south on them pretty bad in the third period. So, you know, maybe there's. Maybe there is a pulse within this team yet where it could make a bid for a playoff spot. Well, as you look at this club out there, and what I was most impressed about, Kevin, was the amount of goals that were scored this week. Because we were watching a team trying to figure out who was going to step up here and, and really supply some offense for this club. And looks like, at least for a week, some of those questions were answered. Yes, you know, Kirill Kaprizov had himself a fine week that garnered him the NHL's number one star for the week that just got announced on Monday afternoon. And, you know, we saw some saw some other secondary scoring too. So it was a um, good weekend on that front. Even the game they lost in Florida, they, they scored three goals that night. So it's Good to see that the offense is clicking, especially the power play going five for five on Friday night. That was that was very impressive. Well, we we began last week by talking about the five nothing victory over the Islanders. Once again, we want to mention Mark Andre Fleury becomes the second winningest goaltender in NHL history, and I understand they play a lot more games now, Kevin, than you're talking about in those fifties and sixties and seventies kind of time out there, but. Whenever you can get yourself to be a way up on a list like that, that's that's quite an impressive achievement. It is, and it just but it's gonna be one of those records I think nobody's ever gonna hit again. I mean Marty Brodeur, I believe, is like Fleury would have to win like two hundred more games to catch Martin Brodeur and, yeah. and that's you know Flurry's what thirty nine years old. I don't think that's going to happen. So, but you know, good on him just to get to the number two spot on that list and passing a, a great with Patrick Wah, who, ironically enough, um, got the New York Islanders coaching job on over the weekend. I, I was going to ask you about that later, but since you brought it up now, what what do you think about that move by the Islanders? Very interesting, um, but you know, uh, Lou Lamarillo's been uh, in this game long enough where you really can't um, doubt his judgment. You just wonder if it was a move he recently made or if it was on the radar where if at any point this season the Islanders got in a real bad stretch if he was going to make a move because I think the the straw that broke the camel's back there was uh, Islanders losing an overtime game to an undermanned Chicago team on Friday night. But, you know, we saw it in uh, when Patrick Waugh coached um, Colorado. He's a very 
very intense guy behind the bench. He was not afraid to take chances and could be the spark that the Islanders need to make a make a bid for a playoff spot. You know, when he got the job, I was kind of hoping that Tim Army would return back with them because he was like his uh, one of his primary assistants and did all of the special team designing for the when Wav was with the Colorado Avalanche and um, I was hoping the former Iowa Wild coach would get a get a gig there too in in uh, in New York, but didn't work out that way at least for now. So hopefully things will turn around. Yeah, at least for now. I got a feeling they didn't want to turn over a lot of staff, but I could see next summer where maybe it could happen. You know, the old proverbial coach wants to bring in his guys, so you know. Keep an eye out for that. You know, we could see Tim Army um, land in Long Island for next season. And well, I hope so because pretty- Tim Army was just one of the great, great guys of hockey, I think. Just a great interview. Very knowledgeable guy, so passionate. Guy belongs in pro hockey. Oh, I, I completely agree. And, and I, I laugh about this because, uh, as a matter of fact, I think I called you like, seconds after it happened, but my first introduction to him was um, that I was interviewing him to write a story after after he had, so in three seasons ago, maybe four, I don't know, I guess it was the season he took over as the head coach of the club, and I had an hour and 18 minute interview, I believe is what it was, and I, and I'm not, not, not exaggerating when I say I had five questions that I asked because once Tim Army started talking, he's just amazing. The the and it, it did, and it's not like it's a bunch of tangents or something like that. He just thoroughly explains stuff, and you just kind of sit there just going, "Wow, <laughs> I am learning some stuff here." So amazing guy. But seriously, five questions, hour and eighteen minute interview. It was it was pretty remarkable. You know, I, I, and good and good job on your part because. I've always said uh, a lot of times you can learn a lot of stuff by keeping your mouth shut. Um, <laughs> good job there. Just throw it out there, let him go, and just learn. I remember my uh, our good buddy Joe O'Donnell saying to me, um, the news media in the, in the Des Moines area absolutely hated him because you're not getting any 30-second blur about, about that night's game. It just didn't happen. And, uh and that's okay. I, I love those answers. So they're pretty cool. Well, let's jump to Thursday How night. How good would a coaching staff with Tim Army and Frank Saratori be? If, <laughs> for those that <laughs> don't know Frank, look him up. Head coach of Air Force and just an all-around character. He's one of those guys where a lot of his post-game videos or post-game press conferences end up on YouTube. It's... Look him up, Frank Saratori, just a great, great character of hockey. I'm totally with you on that. Let's jump to Thursday night. Uh, 1-1 tie through first the first period. Erickson Eck with his 18th goal of the season. Uh, then it is Tampa Bay dominating in the second. But I was really impressed to see Minnesota did not give up on this game. They're trailing uh, by a couple of goals on two different opportunities in this. Uh, battle back to make it a one-goal game heading into the third, and then Tampa Bay takes over from there, scores two power play goals. 
um, three goals in the period altogether to wind up coming away with a 7-3 victory. So a uh, nice little comeback, but Tampa Bay is, you know, not the Tampa Bay that we've seen, you know, even a couple of years ago, but still, this is a very formidable team with a very talented lineup. As a team, you can give a lot of power play chances to, and I just thought that was the downfall for the Wild. Watching the game, you, you you felt like they were in the game and they just needed another break or two and just seemed like whenever they got close, that Tampa Bay would would um, put up another goal and just keep the Wild at arm's length, and finally they broke it open late in the game. Jake Middleton with a goal and two assists. Philip Gustafson still struggling a little bit after coming out of the uh, injury time there, stopping 31 of 38 shots in the loss. Um, Friday night, the club then heads down the highway to Miami to take on the Florida Panthers, come away with a big 6-4 to four victory, Kevin, as um, Minnesota really, you know, Florida was in this game for a little bit, but a three-goal second period really helped Minnesota get a little bit of a commanding lead in this contest. And then they close it out in the third. Uh, uh, you know, back-to-back games, you had to travel a pretty pretty big distance to get to Thursday and Friday there. Um, but come come away with a split. I, I, I thought that was a really impressive comeback performance on Friday. It seems like Florida's not been a good matchup for Minnesota in the recent years, so I was extremely happy to see them go and Well, we'll get to this later. I, I have like a, an Iowa Wild game on in the background. I don't know if anyone can hear that, but anyway, it's going to get back in my thought. Um, I thought it was uh, the power play carried it for Minnesota against a team they really have not played well against in previous seasons. And it was great to see them get get out to that big five one lead. There was a incident in the second period where a Florida player ran into Marc-Andre Fleury and, and proceeded to get demolished by Brandon Duhame afterwards. But Fleury did eventually have to come out of the game and it led to a dicey third where the Panthers got within one goal, but the Wild were able to hold on for the 6-4 victory, especially considering it was their second game in two nights against the rest of Florida team. So a lot of positives of draw there. You know, it wasn't Gustafson's best effort in relief, but he made some big saves at the end when he needed to. You know, the thing I didn't understand about this game, Kevin, kind of watching some highlights and looking at it afterward, was that the team is, like, totally shutting down Florida. They had 11 shots on Flurry through halfway through the contest. And then what the heck happened? <laughs> 24 shots on Gustafson over the last mine, uh, a few seconds away from 30 minutes. I thought, did we just decide that we weren't playing defense anymore or something? Because our goaltender was hurt. I, I didn't really get that. I just think Florida was start playing more desperate hockey. And like I said, you know, Minnesota may have been wearing down from, you know, the second game and two nights and you lost. You lost um, Johansson for part of that game. You lost Connor Dewar to injuries, so they're playing with a shorter bench also. So I think those were the factors involved with that. Caprice off of two goals and an assist, Faber with a goal and two assists, both of them with three points for the night there. So 
That takes us to Sunday, Kevin, a big 5-2 victory in Carolina. Kaprizov with a half trick and all of a sudden uh, six points in in two games. That That's what you want from your star when you need some points and you need your guys to start coming up big to get yourself back in the playoff chase. It was a brutal Minnesota gopher football coach that once said, great players got to make great plays. <laughs> That's what um, happened on Sunday with Kaprizov in getting the hat trick. Granted, one was an empty net goal, but after he had blocked a shot, mind you. You know, the first period of Minnesota was just getting dominated. I'm thinking, oh, well... They're down by one. I guess we'll call it a good road period. But then Kaprizov gets a deflection for his first goal of the game, and they went into the locker room, I believe, either up one nothing or tied at one. I forget. I think they were tied, tied at one. At one. Tied at one. Yes. Yep. And then Minnesota just got it going in the took the two one lead, got tied. Tied and then Jewel Erickson Eck with a big goal late in the third, or I think midpoint in the third, where you know, typical Jewel Erickson Eck goal, goal mouth scramble, and Eck finds a puck behind the goalie and pushes it in, and that ended up being the game winner. As Kevin mentioned, Carolina outshoots Minnesota 18 3 in the first period, which is ridiculous. Um, outshot him 42-19 overall. But Gustafson, nice rebound performance for him as he saves 40 in the contest there. And and uh, that's the Gustafson we've been celebrating and clamoring about over the last couple of years. Yes, you know, after the game, my first thought was, well, Minnesota, you got your goalie back. Very true. Jester Halstead comes back up to the club there, uh, filling in with Marc-Andre Fleury, battling a little bit of an injury after that collision a couple nights previous to that. But uh, did not see any action, but glad to see him back in the NHL. Yes, it sounds like um, concussion symptoms with Fleury, but that Fleury could be back for one of the three home games coming up this week. So... I don't know if we'll see Volstead get any action when he is up. If if he's up for the whole week, I got a feeling with no back-to-back games that it's going to be Gustafson doing all three games. So Minnesota moves to 20-21-5. They are still in seventh place in the Central Division. Uh, this week what we're looking at is a, a little three-game homestand that they will have here at uh, all. So all three games they have at home, I should say that 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 way. Um, the Washington Capitals come to town on Tuesday, then Nashville into town and Anaheim, uh, Washington down from what we've seen in previous years. Nashville is always a tough opponent for this team, and Anaheim battling for the top playoffs of uh, top uh, draft pick. So uh, a pretty uh, you could have a pretty successful week, I would think, this week. Minnesota, after having a really rough stretch playing against Washington, has had some success against the Capitals in the last few years. And, you know, the Caps aren't playing that bad. I mean, they're not the powerhouse they were a few years back, but it seems like Minnesota does match up better with them than they have in the past. Nashville, like you said, you know, um, Central Division collision. And Nashville is one of the teams that while they're chasing for a playoff spot, so that will be a huge game Thursday. And then 
culminates with Hockey Day Minnesota on Saturday night at 8 o'clock against the Anaheim Ducks, who will not have have um, Zegers play for them, which I'm a little disappointed in, as he's one of the more dynamic young players in the NHL. But it'll be the return to Minnesota of uh, former Gopher blue liner Jackson Lacombe, who got his first NHL goal on Saturday night. Fantastic. Well, Kevin, let's drop down to the AHL. And uh, after dropping the first game in Tucson on Monday, you and I joined up for Wednesday's contest. Another 4-1 to victory for Tucson. Uh, the Rockford then wins 4-1 to on Saturday. And as you and I are talking right now, Iowa hosting Texas in a 2-2 tie. I believe that we have about Three minutes left now, about five minutes. Oh, actually, Iowa just took the lead, so I'm glad to see that. That must have just happened there. So Iowa just took the lead with a little over five minutes left in that. We'll come back to that game in here in just a minute. But it was, uh, you know, tough time in Tucson, and then they wound up dropping that game in Rockford, and it was just, uh, while the Minnesota Wild getting a bunch of goal scoring, Iowa really not being able to find anybody who can find the back of the net. No, you know, and um, Michael Russo, the guy that's, covers the wild like a blanket up here in Minnesota. They were talking about guys that could come up and help Minnesota from Iowa right now. And really, there's nobody in Iowa that's playing hockey worthy of getting a call-up. Caden Bankier had a good start, and I would be curious to see what he'd do in the NHL, but I just think he's too young yet. And it would almost be detrimental to bring him up. But, I mean, there was really nobody else lighting it up for the Wild. And I was looking at some league statistics. Right now, the Wild are last in the league in goal scoring with 84 goals for the year coming into the game tonight. And there's nobody even really close to them in that front. And I find that to be disappointing because I just thought coming into the year there was going to be some firepower on this team. Granted, a guy like Vinny Letiri that would have lit up the AHL with Iowa this year has been up with Minnesota and now injured, so it could have been a difference if he was down there. But it's just not offensively happening for Iowa right now. Well, think about this. Excluding tonight's game, seven games the team has played this month, five of those games they scored a single goal in. You're just not going to win any games like that. And... Uh, and, and it always seems this way too, Kevin. They're down like four nothing after two periods or something. It's like they're never in games. It just seems like because they're 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 just not getting any offensive production, and they're leaving their goaltender hanging all the time. It's just like it's not surprising that they're just really struggling right now. And as you talked about, there's nobody on this club right now that I looked at and think you're going to get a big goal from this guy. This. This is going to be a two-goal night for this, for this guy on the, on the roster. There's just nobody that's really putting up big-time offensive numbers. So not surprising to see him struggle. I, I guess if you're looking at potential positives, Adam Beckman has goals in two straight games, and he's a guy that if he can get on a heater, he can carry a offense. But... You look at the resumes, I mean, I'm looking at the line charts going into the game on Monday night, and, you know, there are some guys that have had reputations in the league for scoring, and it's just, but it's just not happening. You know, um, 
there was a bit of a boost on Saturday when Mason Shaw came back from yet another knee surgery and played his first game in Rockford, but I think it's going to take a while for Shaw to get in optimal game condition and be someone that they can count on for scoring. But, you know, emotionally, I think it'll be a boost for the club. Absolutely. Oh, and hopefully, well, it's just, you know, the the inspiration of the guy is always inspiring to that club. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping that really gets them fired up to see him back in uniform and skating and playing well. I think that'll get, give it a little a little boost to the club for a couple of games at least. So, For what he's well, been through with all the knee injuries, it's, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes it's hard to believe that he's only, he's only in his mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is quite a remarkable story. Well, uh, and I wouldn't be first surprised all, four, if he's back up in Minnesota at some point. Starting with the 4-1 to loss, Kevin, Jesper Volstead stopped 32 shots in that game. Teasdale with the only goal of the contest for Iowa, his fourth of the season. Um, again, Tucson jumps out to a 4 uh, nothing lead, two goals in the first, one in the second, one early in the third before uh, Iowa finally gets on the board. On Saturday, the team traveled out to Rockford where they drop a 4-1 to game. With Volstead up there in Minnesota, it is Zane McIntyre going. He stopped 17 shots in that game. Um, you know, defensively, I thought they played very well in that contest. Um, again, they just can't generate any offense as uh, Ryder Rolstead and uh, – oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. What am I talking about there? As uh, Adam Beckman, as Kevin mentioned earlier, the only guy who scores a goal in that game. So, um, you know, McIntyre played okay. I mean, only 20 shots in the contest, but unfortunately the team can't really provide any offense for him again. Hey, you know, it's tough, too. It's a 1-1 game going into the third. So, I mean, the game was right there to be had, and they just couldn't get anything going in the third period. Absolutely. And it was, uh, you know, you got to give credit. This was a spectacular goaltending battle through the first two periods out there. It's just neither goaltender was really giving anything up. But two power play goals, it proves to be the difference in this contest. Um, Brett Saney and Ryder Rolston each score there for um, Rockford on the power play, and they add a empty net goal late in the period to close out the scoring. As Kevin and that and I are talking, a, that should be a familiar name to Minnesota Wild fans too. Ryder Ralston, the son of former Minnesota Wild great Brian Ralston. I liked him too. Who he my wife had a player. crush on. <laughs> As Kevin and I are talking here, there is. Uh, what are we down to? A couple minutes left in this contest. So 3:23 left in this game. The Iowa Wild leading the Texas Stars right now, three to two. And if this is a, they are able to hang on to this game, Kevin. They beat Matt Murray, and that doesn't seem to happen very often. That's three more goals than Minnesota got against Matt Murray. <laughs> yes. yes, in his career against the Columbia. he's just, I mean, they've had no answers for this guy. Uh, um, at all, at any level, NHL or or AHL level. They've never really had any answers for him. So three goals is a remarkable feat. Zane McIntyre, as Kevin and I are talking about, and clearly there's still four minutes left in this game, uh, has 23 saves. So I'm sure he'll have a few more before this is over. Um, well, Kevin, right now, as you and I are talking, 13-21-3. 
Iowa Wild in sixth place in this division. Uh, again, we, we don't have the final of this contest, but right now you're just two points behind Chicago. It might be even with Chicago um, when this contest is over. But the big deal right now is four more games they will have played than the Wolves. And, uh, man, it's like you got to start feeling like you're almost playing playoff hockey. And I don't mean to be dramatic about this thing, but you can't give away any games in this division now anymore. You, you, you got to take two out of three almost every week now. Yeah. It's odd to see uh, like a four game discrepancy in games played like that. And, you know, you're kind of, kind of got a helpless feeling. It's like there's nothing you can do about that, but right. Like you said, you just got to go out and try to get, Try to get points in um, every game. Obviously, I mean that's the goal when you go on a hockey rink, right? To win a game, but right, it's you try to at this point keep your goals smaller. Try to get keep an eye more or so on the fourth and fifth spots because that gets you a chip in a chair, as opposed to thinking that you could you can try to get in the top two spots because right now that's just going to be un, unattainable for. Iowa. Very busy week for the club, Kevin. Uh, play tonight against Texas, as we're as you and I are speaking here. Then have another game against the Stars on Wednesday. Then the San Diego Gulls come to town. Kevin will be out there Friday for that contest. And uh, that's um, that that even if you know San Diego, they've had some success against over the last couple of years. But um, man, you got to feel like yeah, yeah, you got to come away with six points at this point. I'm thinking. Yes, and we saw it last year, too, when Iowa was desperate for points, and they did beat San Diego on the Saturday night game, but then Sunday afternoon completely laid an egg. So you're just going to have to hope that the way they're playing tonight on Monday can carry over to Wednesday and be a start of something big for the team. Well, let's drop down to the ECHL, and this week started off well. Um, we, we were on, on the air after the Cincinnati game, uh, 5-4 victory. Then Wheeling came to town. We had some fairly high hopes because they played very well against the Nailers over the last couple seasons, but they sweep the, this series, Kevin, and come away with uh, nothing. It's 4-1 on Friday, 3-1 on Saturday, and a, just a, a very disappointing performance by the club. Yes, the, this was the... This was a weekend I thought where maybe the Heartlanders could win two games and get back into the divisional race, but end up being a disappointing weekend as they dropped a couple of games to their divisional foes. And it's a shame because Saturday night's crowd at Extreme Arena was, I'm looking it up here, by far the biggest crowd of the year with. 3,990, so almost 4,000 people on hand. You would have liked to have seen them get a win in that and get some momentum going, but unfortunately, it was not meant to be. Yeah, as Kevin talking about, they're very disappointed because Wheeling was just right ahead of them in the standings and could have leapt over them, leapt over Kalamazoo, and got themselves in a spot to be right on the cusp of a playoff berth, but... Um, now wind up staying in last place. So let's quickly go through the recaps of these games. Friday night, a 4-1 to victory for Wheeling. Uh, two goals in the first. 
Um, the Heartlander is able to cut the def- they They're trailing one nothing early in this contest. Nick Campoli ties the score with his sixth goal of the season, a power play goal. But it is all wheeling from there. They score uh, one goal in each of the remaining three periods there to come away with a 4-1 victory. In that contest, it is Drew DeRitter played very well, gave up four goals on 25 shots, but played pretty well in the contest, I thought. Um, on Saturday, a 3-1 to one loss. It is, uh, once again, uh, Wheeling taking the lead 21 seconds into the first. Pavel Novak scores to tie the game, his sixth goal of the season, but it is Wheeling getting the final two goals of the game, including an empty netter. Uh, another uh, solid performance, this time by Hunter Jones, saves 19 of 21 shots. Good performance by Jones, so we haven't got to see play much in, in games re- in, over the last month, Kevin, but no rust in that performance, at least. No, you started to wonder what was the deal where Jones was not playing at all, so it was nice to see him slot back in again, and unfortunately he didn't get um, much offensive support. 14-18-6 for the club right now, last place in the Central Division. Um, the Heartlanders uh, will have a game in Cincinnati on Wednesday and then travel to Indy on Friday and Saturday. Very interesting month for this club, Kevin, because they were only home for one week out of the five weeks, we'll call it, of games. Um, you had the first two games of the of the, of the month were uh, Rapid City and Fort Wayne. Then they went to Tulsa, uh, Cincinnati, and Indianapolis this week. They'll go to Kalamazoo to start out February. Um, that that you know that's not a very easy stretch when you're having so many contests out on the road. No, it's not. A, you know, considering this team is um, desperately seeking points, too, it's just a bad time to have this um, tremendous um, stretch of road games. To get off Absolutely. topic, though, with the, the league did make an announcement this week that Bloomington, Illinois, will be getting an expansion franchise for next season. I did the Google Maps on it, and it's three hours away from Coralville, so it's getting a little better for having at least a team nearby. I might have a uh, a road trip in me for next year. Um, that's uh, you know the the ECHL to their credit has really been trying to expand um, the market to get to a point of being thirty two teams so they can match the NHL market. Uh, the the goal I know when talking with Brian McKenna about four or five years ago was they wanted to ensure there was an ECHL team for every NHL team like there was an AHL team like that. So um, getting a little closer, I think we're at, what, 28 now, 29? I'm, I'm going to look this up. See, I should know this, both. See. So 14 in the west and in the east there is 14. Okay, so 28. So we'll have a 29th and a 30th because Lake Tahoe will be joining next year as well. So getting pretty close. Interesting, too, in that the Indy Fuels owners will also own the team in Bloomington, Illinois. You have to wonder if the Chicago Blackhawks will move their affiliation from Indianapolis to Bloomington so that their ECHL affiliate is a little bit closer to Chicago. Granted, Indianapolis wasn't that far away from Chicago, but or Rockford. Closer to Rockford, too. Yeah, Rockford. A lot more convenient for getting guys to and from Rockford. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as Kevin and I are still talking here, the Iowa Wild do pull out the 3-2 victory here tonight over the Texas Stars, so Matt Murray can stuff it. He gets beaten here tonight. Glad to see the club finally pulls that out. Um, Adam Beckman with his seventh goal of the season, a power play goal, gave uh, Iowa the lead. Dallas, or Dallas. Uh, Texas able to tie the score early in the third period. Minnesota re- takes reach. Minnesota, God, I'm an NHL back here, Kevin. Michael Milne winds up scoring to make it a two to one Iowa advantage. Once again, the Texas Stars tie the game at 10:21 of the third. But it is Stephen Fogarty with the game winner here tonight on the power play. Two power play goals for the Iowa Wild, Kevin, which is a good sight to see. They do give up a power play goal, which has been a problem for them, but. Score two of their own and wind up coming away with a three to two victory here tonight. Yeah, you know, and you know, Milnes haven't has not been with the team uh, for very many games this year, coming back from an injury. So good to see him get on the on the score sheet too with an uh, excellent goal. I believe he batted the puck out of the air into the net. So it's going to be guys like Milne and Sammy Walker and Beckman that are going to have to step up if I was looking to make a move in the second half. Zane McIntyre with just his second victory of the season. That number just astounds me to be honest with you. So he stops 28 shots. So congratulations to Zane for another solid performance tonight. Well, Kevin, I think that that wraps us up here into uh, stuff that's going on around the organization. So let's talk about great day in history. Uh, Minnesota Wild, do you want to talk about this about tonight? Well, I want to talk about um, Hockey Day in Minnesota coming up, and it's always been a for something that I thought was just a blatant ripoff of Hockey Day in Canada. Hockey Day in Minnesota has done a great job of of um, establishing their brand and uh, being a day that Minnesota hockey fans uh, look forward to every year. You know, whether it be uh, somebody sitting at home watching coverage from nine in the morning until about 11.30 at night, or if it's um, a family watching some of the coverage and then going out and watching their sons or daughters playing the the game themselves. It's a day-long celebration. Everybody gets to celebrate in the way in which they want to, and the main event will be Minnesota versus Anaheim at 8 8 p.m. I was reminded of the hockey day that was held in Elk River um, uh, anniversary event was a day or two ago where the main event was a wild victory over Dallas, and it was an overtime goal by Nate Prosser of Elk River that won the game for Minnesota in overtime. So it was a storybook ending. So it's always been a fun day, a magical day, and I hope to see you more of the same on Saturday. Well, this is the state of hockey. There should be at least one day dedicated to hockey in the state. I mean, that just seems to make sense. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I have, I have to say I have been to a game on every Hockey Day Minnesota in history. That's what I'm talking about. Kevin Lugo, you know, thanks for joining me. Crazier, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. One of my crazier ones was... I guess this will be my wild memory on the year which the NHL season didn't start till middle January. It just happened to align that the first game of the season for the Wild was on Hockey Day Minnesota at 8 o'clock. 
Minnesota Gophers played North Dakota at 5 o'clock. So you can see where I went with this. I went to the Gopher game, ran to my car. Of course, you know, the Gopher-North Dakota game would have to go into overtime. Ran to my car, sped over to XL Energy Center, managed to find a spot in a parking ramp. I think it was like maybe the last spot available. Got to the arena with, I think there was like one minute gone in the in the wild game. I had done it another time before, too. There was, I will never do it again. It's a great idea, but it's just too much rushing to get from one game to the other. I wish they would uh, would have spaced those games out by another hour. But, you know, like we always say in sports nowadays, um, TV dictates everything. And this is why you are known as the two-city doubleheader guy. Always figure out a way, baseball and hockey, to be in two different cities for one day for two different games. So that's what we're talking about. Kevin Local, thanks for joining yeah. me this week. My pleasure.